people of Earth, this is Driftglass speaking. This is the podcast for Friday, May 28th. Don't listen to it at work unless you want to get your ass fired. This is why I'm not allowed to do these recordings. It's the Driftglass and Blue Cow Podcast. Yeah, and as we dis- as we discussed in our pregame, you know, warm up period, yeah, you have been knocking back martinis like all day, right? Uh, no, <laughs> yeah, two <laughs> two Barbie sips of martini is what I've yes. had. But two Barbie sips, yeah, yeah. Is that is that dirty enough for you, Ken? <laughs> exactly. Want me to dirty that dirty that up for you just a little I bit dirty there, that Ken? Up for you just a little bit there, Ken. Really? Poor Ken, and poor Ken's just looking down at his at his sexless crotch, going. I, I can wouldn't. do nothing with this. I'm, I got, I got nothing here. I, I literally got nothing, got nothing for you. Yes. Yeah. Well, you can hear me okay, right? I can hear you just fine. Okay, and you're coming through as you know, just like, just like thunder. Just like thunder, which we've had so, quite a bit of tonight. So we'll see. My street was flooded. My basement's flooded. So it's been a wet night here in Southern Illinois. So good for I'm the corn, sorry. you know. Yeah. Yes. As, as long as it's good for the corn it's and the good soy. For the corn, we're all set. Yeah. Well, I, I understand we're not going to have rain tomorrow in Chicago because, or rather, this weekend because the president of the United States will be here. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there, there is no no rain. That is yeah. a lovely weekend for. You know, at, girls. at some point, <laughs> there's something about Chicago, big city. Um, yeah. People out there probably remember that. Or might remember that Bill Clinton spent a lot of time in Chicago. Yes, he did. Um, and in the first, you know, I, at the time I was working downtown at the South Loop, and it got to be, you look out the door, you look out the window, and you go, crap, because the, the cops are out there with the eight-foot-tall police dogs, and the snipers are on the roof. You just know Clinton's and, in town. It's like, yeah. God, that, that, well, that ruins well, my commute. <laughs> well, one of two things, exactly, one of two things is happening. Either they're, they're shooting uh, the Fugitive 2 yeah. downtown. Yeah. Or the president's there, yeah. and in the beginning it was really very impressive. But towards the middle of his second term, he old. was like, yeah, he was hanging, he was hanging out with the Taste of Chicago, you know, swallowing you know a couple of hundred pounds of VV's barbecue whenever he's in town, just out there with the tourists eating the giant turkey leg. And at some point, it's like, okay, I get it. You're the president, and you're a populist. That's cool, but he gets to be less and less um, exciting. When it when As, it ruins your Friday well, afternoon commute every time. Well, when it gets to be commonplace, because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. oh, he's bad. Really, really? Okay, all right. That's <laughs> well, have great. You had that experience Yay. with Obama because I um, know the one time that I was in Chicago and uh, drove along Lakeshore Drive, and there was the helicopter coming in. You know. Yes. Uh, yes. I've had that experience. Was, here. I think it was Fourth of July weekend a couple of years ago, or, or last year even, and it. To me, it was still exciting, but well, it's it's a new president, and it is yeah. exciting. And um, it's it, if you're there for all the 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 sort of drama of landing mm-hmm. and taking off, and if you see a, a motorcade zip past, that's that's kind that's still kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, he's he and all those important people are in there. It, it is impressive. As as much mm-hmm. as I've seen, I saw Clinton in person. I don't know half a dozen times i saw bush in person a couple of times in chicago um I, I ran into barack obama when he was a state senator many many times in the past long time ago um and i met him in person a couple of times so um 
it's not as daunting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's still, you know, this is the leader of the free world, and this is still the, you know, the the head of state. And it's the, the, all the appreciate. And he's a tall guy, there. and you're a tall guy. So hey, and you, yeah. you know, you've been around <laughs> Chicago. You know Chicago, yeah. and you're the tall guys of Chicago. So you know. Well, and, and we're taking over, which yeah. is just which, don't tell anybody, Blue Gal. But you know, okay. the, 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 our plans are our plans are now in place. We're going to take over. We're just really tired of. Got it. You're wh- tired of the little people. <laughs> We're tired of banging our heads on your little doors and trying to cram our bodies into your little cars. So those (laughs) days are over. Um, But, yeah, it's always impressive to see the president of the United States, you know, in in the flesh and with all the pomp and circumstances around him. But, you know, our mayor has a very – who's a very tiny man, by the way. I was going to say, he's diminutive. He's a little little guy and he's – you know, he wields – you know, truly frightening power. Really but is Napoleon, isn't he? He really, really, he really is. Napoleon. He really is. And, and for those of you who, who aren't out there um, reading Steve Rhodes at the Beachwood Reporter every day, you really should, um, because you know he's he's a he is a playground bully. Yeah. Um, and he has the press. Well, he, the he so pal. He threatened a reporter with a gun jokingly this yeah. week. Ha ha ha. I mean, ha 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 ha. If I took this gun and popped you in the butt with it. Then you'd know about gun control. You might want some gun control then, wouldn't you, punk? Yeah. Ha, 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 which is, ha, ha, which ha. is that Which is that Nelson Muntz kind of funny. Yeah. Why are you hitting yourself? Why do you keep hitting yourself? Mm-hmm. You know? He, I mean, he really does play that. And the, the media has been so gelded after 20-plus mm-hmm. years of this mm-hmm. treatment that and, and going along with it. Um, you know, I think we're, I'm repeating myself now, but once upon a time, the biggest, one of the biggest scandals in Chicago was when state's attorney Rich Daly was debating with Harold Washington and the reader, the local paper reproduced verbatim what he said. Yeah. Um, all the errors and deaths and. Yeah, all the errors and all the screw ups mm-hmm. and all the transpositions and, um, uh, Steve Rhodes, uh, the, the aforementioned Steve Rhodes mentioned today, uh, about one of the, um, early gaffes that, uh, Daly said, you know, Ch- Chicagoans want a white mayor who can sit down with anybody. Oh my God! Um, and and his press people insisted that he said a wet mayor, a and wet like W E a wet mayor, which leads to all kinds of interesting questions. Like, really, really why would you? What? Care? How wet? Why? And what does that mean? <laughs> exactly. How moist do you have to be to be mayor? I mean, do we really prefer a, a lightly humid the mayor? The uh, of the wet yeah. mayor. Yeah, he, he, he's a crazy mayor, but it's a dry crazy, you know. <laughs> and, it's not and, the heat; it's yeah. the humidity. <laughs> and and of course, what he said was a white mayor because it that's, that's and everyone. It wasn't everyone, The problem was every, it wasn't a dog whistle; it was a full right. blown police right. whistle that he they brought the wrong yeah. whistle to the debate. <laughs> You're only supposed risk, to blow a dog whistle that only your people can hear. And, and the press knows that, and the press, yeah. you know, they sort of eventually roll over because he ain't going anywhere. Right. And he's never going to lose an election. Yeah, and he can ruin and, your life. He can ruin oh, your yeah. career by just shutting you out. I mean, well, like he can ruin your did. career by yeah. just rolling over in the wrong direction. Yeah. I mean, you know, that that's the problem with great sort of unchecked old power mm-hmm. is that it becomes imperial. Yeah. It becomes bored and calcified and imperial and has no imagination, no juice left in it and becomes repetitive mm-hmm. and becomes oppressive and tyrannical. And that's really what it's become. It's you know it's a very pretty city, but it's run by an emperor, mm-hmm. and everyone knows it. And he has courtiers. And as a, a friend of mine once said, to understand power in Chicago, you have to understand the French royal court. You know, proximity to power is power mm-hmm. here. Yeah. If you are a friend of the king, then you have power. It doesn't matter how smart you are, how good you are. If you went to high school with him, yeah. you have power. If you make the king laugh, you have power. 
if you caught the. I want to segue from that. Sure. Into another another political royalty, um, Queen Sarah Palin. (laughs) Yeah. You and I were talking today earlier in our pregame phone call. Um, the, marti- the martini-induced martini note-taking the martini section. The martini-free phone call yeah. uh, about Liz yes. Cheney, as you said on the phone to me, is the evil one. <laughs> That's right. She's the evil one. She's and the horribly, I've horribly evil one. I've been about this for a couple of days because you and I are both kind of language geeks. And we love uh-huh. talking about language and how uh, you use language in different ways. And I've been thinking a lot lately about Keith Olbermann's tagline for Sarah Palin, which is every time he has a clip of Sarah Palin on the air mm-hmm. saying something ridiculous, they cut to Keith Olbermann and he says, that woman is an idiot. Yes. And it's a pronouncement. It is. It's in a statement of fact. Uh, and <laughs> I have to tell you, my son, <laughs> my son was in the room with me while we were watching Keith Olbermann and there was Sarah Palin on the TV. And he said, Mom, he's 11. He said, Mom, that's Sarah Palin. And I said, yeah. He said, Dad says she's an idiot. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I kind of think she's an idiot, too. And then Keith Overman comes on the TV and says, that woman is an idiot. And my son just lost it. It was just everybody in the world said, Including the guy on the TV said, uh-huh. this woman is an idiot. Including my dad. Everybody thinks he's an idiot. She's every an idiot. authority, every authority figure in my life thinks backs me up idiot. on this. Backs, yeah. backs that up. Yeah. But I was thinking about that and how often we attribute, um, we, we label women in leadership situations who mm-hmm. we, with whom we disagree. As stupid or idiotic or... Or um, bimbos. Martini-induced. Yes. (laughs) Or or, or bimbos. Peggy Noonan. Or bimbo. Or in in that dividing line. You're you're really trying to get me in trouble here, aren't you, Bluegill? You're really trying to... I'm I'm digging a hole so that I can keep you out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I I sense a a large hole full of punji sticks. Yes, exactly. Shit-covered bamboo sticks. But you know, the the reason... I think that our culture does that has has less to do with misogyny than it does with our and this gets back to Liz Cheney our distaste as a culture with attributing evil to women. We don't want to label women as evil. That's not something that our culture does. Not something that many cultures well, evil, and I think, yeah, I, I would agree with you. Evil implies power. Evil implies power, exactly. Right. And right. if you are, uh, and maybe that's where the misogyny then comes in, is, you know, we want to keep women powerless, therefore we label them as, rather than ideologically inferior, as mentally or in, uh, inferior in terms of intelligence. But it's not because... We're just trying to label them as stupid and dismiss them. I think it's I think it's something much deeper than that. I think we're trying to avoid commentary on them, perhaps either having power or just attributing to them a sense of evil and badness. I think we're much more comfortable um, ascribing um, cunning and guile, sort of the passive. Mm-hmm versions of evil mm-hmm. to women, you know, and which is ironic. Well, not ironic, I guess. The Christian creation myth is yes, exactly. the woman, the woman ate the apple, 
The serpent um, beguiled me, and I did eat. Yes, yep. but after she, you know, after she learned about good and evil, she then turned to her man mm-hmm. and offered him the apple. And that was, you know, that's why Adam's a Adam is an absolute ass. Adam's yeah. a, a cowardly little prick. Yeah, you know, the, the girl made me do it. I didn't want to do it, and you know, and come on, says, man. Yes, I did. Yeah. <laughs> she turned she, right well, there. She she acts in a, yep. in a powerful way. Yes, yeah, I, I take yeah. full responsibility. Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's that act of independence and power and and an assertion of a desire to know, um, to have knowledge. Yeah. You know, I want to know how the world works, and yep. and here's a way for me to do that. Mm-hmm. That is the first sort of act of defiance against the patriarchy. Yeah. In, in, a, in a real, in a very real, tangible, you know, sense of the government is in fact a religious patriarchy. Yeah. Um, and we will slam you down for that. Mm-hmm. But we, you know, Lady Macbeth, you know, the, the other sort of great female villain in, in literature, one of the, only really a handful um, before um, the 70s. <laughs> you know, it's it's really kind of barren back there. But she she was uh, she was much more sort of powerful mm-hmm. than her husband. Mm-hmm. But she, remember what she said before she committed her acts of evil: "Unsex me now." Right. No, make my womanhood go away because I want to do some evil and you can't do that and still be a woman. Right, right. And we are really creeped out by the idea of mom being evil. Yes, exactly. exactly. Uh, we're totally we're totally down with dad being evil. Hey, ask any Irish family about that. You know, <laughs> Dad's evil. <laughs> Dad's an evil son of a bitch. You know, some dad somewhere in your Irish family is is a hard drinking, you know, mm-hmm. uh, abusive prick. Mm-hmm. So we're used to that sort of monstrous, mindless, all powerful God mm-hmm. yeah. being you know, being a male, but you know the woman is always the enabler. Right, right, and uh, and, and on the pedestal. Yeah. yeah. And Sarah, people like Sarah Palin and Liz Cheney are in fact evil in their own right. I oh, give them full credit. Tremendous cre- amount of cunning with Sarah Palin, with staying immediately in the in the hive of Facebook, and yeah, you know, making pronouncements from there and from very controlled situations where she can't get herself into trouble with her lack of. Prepared. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there's, a, there's a, a. She. I, I said on Salon this week. You know, she would be completely capable of being on The Price Is Right if they gave her contact oh, yeah. lenses. You know, she's yeah. a good spokesmodel. She is. She is. She, and she has that she down. Wanted to sell, and what she wants, but what she wants to sell is an ideology that's full of lies and evil. <laughs> right. Not a Toyota. Not a Toyota. Right. Not exactly. a Ford. She's not She's at selling- a Japanese car show showing right. off some sort of product that's not conservative evil ideology. <laughs> well, and this is where, um, oddly enough, Steve Rhodes and I, Steve Rhodes wrote a, a really scathing column about liberals using um, sexist tropes, you know, mentioning dress and, and you know, tits and hair and so mm. forth. Um, using vocabulary, speaking of vocabulary again, uh, regarding Sarah Palin that we never used for men. And there was a certain truth to that. Um, He and I, I disagreed with him offline. I wrote him an email offline. He wrote me back and it was very cordial. But I said, well, you know, I don't disagree with that. But in in Sarah Palin's case, she is specifically created to be a pornographic object. Exactly. As we've talked you know, about before in our this, most popular you know, podcast ever. <laughs> yes, it is. It was our most popular podcast. And we said referring to it uh, yeah. obliquely. Um, but she, you know, in, in her case, part of her toolkit is overt um, appeal to male sexuality right. that is not in any way sublimated. Nope. It's right out there. She is sculpted as a masturbatory mental object mm-hmm. for conservative men to get off on. Right. And 
she revels in it. Yeah, there's no there's uh, no apology for that. Absolutely. No, and that's and and failing to notice that you know there, there's something and that it's not um, as if anyone needs to any woman needs to apologize for their sexuality again we're of course we're, not we're dancing around no. with the spikes in I, it but. no woman should let me put, let me be very very clear to the libidinous <laughs> liberal lasts out there no woman should ever apologize for her sexuality under any circumstance or we will drown in a in a series of uh, vocabulary challenges right, to make ourselves perfectly politically correct. <laughs> Hunter Thompson, you know, one of my literary slash journalist heroes, Hunter Thompson once said words like douchebag and evil or, or awful, despicable and evil and vile. Some people say those words have no place in objective journalism. Mm-hmm. He said, which is true, but it misses the point. You know, objective journalism with its built in blind spots is what allowed Richard Nixon to slither into power. Yeah, yeah. Because he could pretend he could put on the costume of a decent human being. Yep. And objective reporting, you know, you had to get subjective well, to understand Richard Nixon. And it got closer to the surface with someone like George W. Bush. Yeah. George W. Bush bought a fake ranch. George W. Bush bought a fake life. George W. Bush bought an entire wardrobe of, speaking of Barbie dolls, you know, dress up costumes to fool stupid people into thinking he was something other than a mean-spirited, dry-drunk, half-bright frat boy. Yeah. And it worked. And it fucking worked. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to to report on him objectively is to say, my, doesn't he look good in that flight suit? Doesn't he look presidential? You have to go subjective to understand him. And with Sarah Palin, it reaches really its apex. Yeah. You know, she is all surface. She is all exterior. There's nothing inside except sort of cunning and a rapacious grifter attitude that just just she's you know her she's a locust her and her family are just friggin you know the grifter family they come in they loot the place and they leave and she believes as far as i can tell in nothing except you know getting as much as she possibly can and in that sense she is absolutely the distillation of conservative ideology you know she's the perfect spokesmodel for dick cheney conservatism yeah yeah and there's no way to avoid talking no. about her that way because that is part of the package so well and, and and there's certain places where we as liberals fall down on the job by um you know the if i if i had a nickel for every conservative who said but you're supposed to be tolerant yeah. you're supposed to be open-minded no what, what you mean is i'm not supposed to fight back right i'm not you know and i believe in the top kill approach to republicans <laughs> which is all that crap that they're spewing yeah, out very good post you did on that <laughs> by the way thank you Thank you. I, I believe the only way to stop the Republican spew, the, the volcano that is now <laughs> rampaging out of control on the right, Cement is to take mud. <laughs> well, shove it back down their throats. Yeah. You know, every time a Republican or conservative, you know, wherever they're hiding these days, whatever tall grass they're hiding in these days, pulls out some bullshit, you know, nonsense, and and then whines that you're supposed to be open-minded and tolerant about it, ram it right back down his or her throat, mm-hmm. and be and be brutal about it. You know, it's I don't believe in 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 dealing reasonably with people who persist in being unreasonable. Do you ever read any C.S. Lewis there, Blue Gal? Just a little bit. He wrote a, a series of slim little volumes in the, whatever it was, the 50s and or 60s, The Great Divorce and the Problem of Pain and the mm-hmm. Screwtape Letters. Mm-hmm. There's this struggle between the actual real, you know, beating heart, flawed person mm-hmm. and this projection, this this, you know, completely fake. Uh, media creation, I guess you'd call it now. And gradually the media creation got bigger and bigger and bigger until it reached down and picked the little man up who was now about an inch tall and swallowed him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think um, and that's what happened. I think that is the screw tape letters. 
That's what happens to to some people is that the lie that is their life gets so big it just consumes them. Yeah. And Rush Limbaugh now really is the intellectual engine at the heart of the conservative yes. movement. Yeah. yeah. It really is. And and I can think of nothing more sickening than in America where well, one of tragedy. its major political tragedy. It's a tragedy. Mm-hmm. And and the thing is it's just a tragedy. One of the things that bears repeating and as she's an idiot bears repeating mm-hmm. is that there were people who saw this coming oh, 30 yeah. years ago. Yeah. And 20 years ago, there were people who were screaming and waving their hands up and down saying, don't you understand? You're turning what is a a viable, relatively respectable political ideology that I happen to disagree with. You're turning it over to the scum of this country to win elections. And you will pay a horrible, horrible – we will all pay a horrible price for it if you let the fundamentalists – and the bigots take over your party because eventually the devil always does come for right, us too. Right. And all those nice Republicans told us to shut the fuck up. Exactly. That exactly. We, we didn't know what we were talking about. That's the, the important thing is to win. Oh, well, yeah. we didn't you, didn't. you don't know what you're talking about. They're they're drift class. It's you know these are just fringe people. These are just you know we have them under control. We, everything's fine. They're just we just use them for elections. They're just you know people who stuff envelopes. They're not the you know we have our intellectuals. We have our spokespeople, and these people are just voters. And don't worry about it. Everything's, and it turns out all those people were wrong. Yep. The tea, the tea partiers are now talking about firing Scott Brown. Yes. So I find that really interesting <laughs> because for a couple of reasons. Uh-huh. Uh, Howard Feynman was on MSNBC this week talking about Rand Paul and how the, what the long term effects are between now and November. Just all the all the gaps that he's made in the past week, and and is this. Can he recover? Mm-hmm. They were, they were. Howard Feynman was discussing whether or not Rand Paul can recover from this. And uh, Howard Feynman was a beat reporter, apparently in Kentucky, knew a lot of people in Kentucky, the Kentucky newspaper world, mm-hmm. and had called a few of his buddies, and was saying that his Kentucky newspaper friends were concerned mostly that Rand Paul had embarrassed the state. <laughs> and that okay. that's what Kentuckians Kentuckians do not and this is true throughout the South, I can attest to this. Is they Pratt. don't want to be embarrassed uh-huh. by uh you know, their racist past or what's happened or you know, anyone talking <laughs> and and being a national joke. If uh-huh. Rand Paul becomes a punchline, that's a total reason to reject him because they don't want to be embarrassed. I was listening to a book this week. Uh, I just finished it yesterday. Uh, Malcolm McDowell's Outliers. Is that, yes. is that his name? Ma- Malcolm Gladwell, uh, Mal- excuse me. Malcolm Gladwell. Malcolm, yeah, Malcolm McDowell's the, the other guy. guy. Yeah, Malcolm, Clockwork Orange. Malcolm Gladwell uh, has written three books, but I was listening to Outliers. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he talks about is the Irish, <laughs> the Irish of the South <laughs> and how it's all about Pride, and it's all about you oh, yeah. can't call someone a name in a hallway. The Southerners will take such offense and be so angry about it, and mm-hmm. Northerners will brush it off. He takes it back <laughs> to goat herding. Really? <laughs> yes, really, because if you have a farm, people can't steal your crops overnight. Whereas if you're mm-hmm. herding goats, like people in you know, Scotland and Ireland, and these these Irish immigrants coming over from my people. Crazy. What you're saying, Blue Gals, my really people. What I'm trying to say, Driftglass, is your people. <clears throat> yeah, my people, my tribe. 
they can have, you know you can steal a herd of goats overnight pretty easily. Uh, Please don't get me don't get me started. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, I believe the statute of limitations so is up all, on that. What what it was all about was young men fighting each other to show who was tough so that you wouldn't cross them in terms of stealing their small livestock. And that kind of pride and uh, touchiness and willing to fight rather than brush anything off because it's all about honor and this southern fighting honor fighting at the drop of Fighting at the drop of a hat, dueling and fighting, killing, having this civil war. I mean, he didn't mention this in the book, but really, the whole civil war is about that. It's uh-huh. about the honor of the South and how dare they in this. And, and well, not, and then add to that, add to that, losing it. And then, well, losing it, but fighting it pretty much knowing the arrogance, as as you know, they said in, in Gone with the Wind, as as Rhett Butler said, all we've got is cotton slaves and arrogance. <laughs> I've got to watch that movie other than someplace like YouTube one of these days. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's full of quotables. It's yeah. full of quote. Well, Rhett Butler is is certainly <laughs> full of of quotables. Anyway, just, this book talked a lot about that, and I thought about how that's actually true of Scott Brown as well. That if there is a last bastion of old line conservatives who actually are simply fiscally conservative country club Republicans, uh-huh. it's uh-huh. Massachusetts. And they don't yep. want to be embarrassed, and they'll vote for a Democrat. <laughs> oh yeah. In order to Over. not be embarrassed, we've talked it before about how much I would love to have been in the voting booth, which Bush forty one. And watch him pull the lever look, for looking Clinton. Looking at him, whether he really brought himself to push the lever Sorry, next to Sarah Palin. Yeah. And put her would, one heartbeat away from one seventy six year old guy's heartbeat. Uh-huh. Away, away from, from his old job, CIA. You know, which is yeah. where he ran. You know, he ran the CIA. Yeah. Does is he that callous? And I, and I, you know, I I want to think not. Yeah, I want to think I, not I, too. I want to think he's not. Yeah. And and you know, the thing about Rand Paul's libertarianism, you know, who he sounds like, he reminds me exactly of every friggin' libertarian I've met since high school. Mm-hmm. Prize. He, I mean, he, li- he's what he has is the is the arrogance of the privileged white yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Who turns around and says, you know, market forces will solve everything. Yeah. You know, the, no one the, has ever been able to tell him what to do. Yeah, I've always felt well, that way about hardcore libertarians that it really is about what's in their pants, and well, <laughs> and it's, not, it's not about, allowing anyone else to tell them what to do. Well, it's about it's about the idea that you know all of the things you would like to retroactively have solved by market forces yes. like Jim Crow right. and slavery and civil rights are all things that you never had to deal with. Yes. Yes. You know, you never you were never the oppressed minority. Right. You know, there there are right. there are libertarians who genuinely believe that if only the market forces the the economic the free economic forces of the marketplace had been left alone, mm-hmm. slavery would have nat- died a natural death. First of all, that's bullshit. That's cool. Yes. The South is preparing, you know, preparing to shift its slavery economy to be an industrial base, shift right. the slaves indoors to work in factories. Sure. And secondly, that is an idea that could only be, you know, uh, plausible to a privileged white douchebag right. who had who doesn't know any black people. Right. Exactly. Uh, really, I, <laughs> I, 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 I has never figured yeah. out. Has never been denied entrance to a restaurant in his whole well, life. <laughs> who, who has never who has never had to say, you know, golly, I sure wish my ancestors had just waited patiently for market forces right, to let exactly. them go, rather than <laughs> rather than make, fine, yeah. yeah, 
Because I know maybe four to five to 13 million black people in this country in the South in the 1800s and 1900s who weren't weren't willing to wait for market forces any longer. Exactly. Who shouldn't have had to wait for market forces for Rand Paul's libertarian bullshit theory to catch up with reality. You know, what was required to to take care of the sin of slavery was a large, federal, brutal <laughs> um, war, intervention. And a war that... Oh no! Worse than you know. Worse than a war, the, a federal intervention in the states' rights. Yes, yeah. well, and a That's, and a humiliation. Yeah, and it, and it does apparently, go back. It does go back to what Malcolm Gladwell said that the reason that the Tea Parties were formed was so that Republicans wouldn't have to face up to their shame. It goes right back to that they could simply call themselves Tea Party and oppose yep. Obama. And, yep. a po- and and he wasn't born in this country, and we want our country back. And then and, the, and pretend that the, and pretend the past never happened. Yeah, the past never pretend happened. They, they so had never voted for Bush. They never voted stolen from us. And the all you have to do to destroy that is lay the feather of George Bush and the Republican Party on top of that, and the whole thing collapses. Right. Because no, you can't have your country back because. It was only 20 months ago that you broke it. And didn't well, you, and did you vote for George Bush in 2004? Really? Well, then no, well, I'm all, afraid we can't give you our, your country back because you drove that car off the cliff. And you and, need to be ashamed of it. And there's face up to the evil that they were culpable for. And culpable for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I'm going to stand over you, mm-hmm. and I'm going to say, really, where were you during the deficit years of the Bush administration? Right, right. Where were you? And, and I'm, I'm well, going to carry her up. Politically asleep. Well, you don't get your country yeah. back because you fell asleep at the wheel. Yeah, so go back to sleep, dumbass. Get it. You fell asleep during war and torture and deficit and Katrina, and you woke up when the black guy put his hand on the Bible. Yeah. What does that make you? Yep. Our president has finally yes, sobered he's up and realized. Up to this week, actually, and, no, and maybe it's, it's because of the campaign. I have a feeling this is rather calculated, but I'm oh, could very well saying. be. We're going to wind up now. I wanted to thank yes. our readers who wrote us emails. Uh, we did ask last week whether uh, people liked the format of us kind of covering some sort of thematic trope that was on our as, mind. A, as opposed to local headlines. As opposed to headlines, yeah. And one of the things we were concerned about is we taped this on Wednesday nights. And a lot of people don't listen to us until Sunday afternoon. So we got some very good feedback uh, on that. Very you much did. appreciated. Yes. Uh, some, some one of our readers wants us to write more, talk more about Wittgenstein and Hegel. <laughs> I think you said that weren't they running in the Montana Third District or something? <laughs> yeah, like I believe that's right. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. Hegel, he yeah. was primarying Wittgenstein, <laughs> but I don't think it worked out for him, did it? <laughs> No, no. Well, you got you got a higher quality. You got a higher Nietzsche. Yeah, you know, there you, don't, you go. <laughs> you know, if you don't, if you don't go after Overman and Overman and Nietzsche as oh, your campaign, man. man, you know they, they can afford the the high end ads. High end ads, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. we do appreciate uh, the feedback we got, and and people seem to like the current format more or less. Yeah. But I think we will be interjecting a little more what mm-hmm. we heard and what we saw uh, this week. And we will be looping in guests in the future. We are hoping that, to loop uh, in a few more guests. It's hard to edit a podcast with three people. It's hard to edit a threesome. So yes, we're it is. So we figure out a nice way to do that. And it may be that uh, every every time when we do a guest, it may be that when we have a guest, we actually just post a much longer 
podcast yes. for people that is unedited or slightly edited so that uh, because the reason this all sounds so good is blue gal you know takes out the cold I chisel and the fine chisel a long afternoon and, uh, <laughs> yeah. of a 90 minute conversation and boil it down to 30 minutes that makes sense mm-hmm. uh, and it takes a long time to do that so and that's fine but we are very grateful to all of our readers and listeners and you can yes, write indeed. us some more if you'd like yeah. Uh, yeah. We love hearing from you. We're at dgbgpodcast at gmail.com. We also have a mm-hmm. website where you can listen to past episodes at dgbgpodcast.blogspot.com. There you can also uh, contribute $5. We only ask, we never ask for more than $5, but we do need money to keep mm-hmm. this going. So, and and you should know we would not turn down more than five dollars. We, we never turn down more than five dollars, but we never ask. We like the money. money. We I am not going to lie to you. We <laughs> like the money. We like the scratch. We like the lettuce. Well, the yeah. lettuce. And 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 one of the, well, I, there's about forty or fifty different Chicago you know gangster terms for it, and I promise to go through each and every one for the next oh the next twenty six weeks, weeks if we get lots of contribution. <laughs> you know the reason we do this is because we really actually need the money. Yeah. Well. It's easy to feel isolated, absolutely. It's a, it's a big city, and I love living here, and I wouldn't think of moving except if someone wants to you know, move me to Boulder, Colorado, and give me a billion dollars to open my own, <laughs> own media empire. But it's a lovely city, and I love living here. Yeah. But the truth of the matter is I just went, I just passed over my, my 2,500th post. Yes, and I did my 2,700th this <clears> week, yeah. Which is a body of work. It's an actual you know, body of work I have created and you have created, and that Denver, everything is now Twitter. You know. We'll be able to go to the, the last blogging conference. We'll be able to go to the, you know. Well, that was the, the other last thing. Picture. That was the other thing about outliers that I thought was so interesting. And we're, you know, now we're talking for hours on it. Uh, I know. Actually, we're coming up on one hour. We and I realized that. But in outliers, uh, they talk talk about Bill Gates and how there it really wasn't an accident that he became what he was because he was born at exactly the right time, 1955. When uh-huh. you turn twenty, he turned twenty-one the year the personal computer was invented in nineteen seventy-six, uh-huh. and so that was the per- perfect time. He wasn't trapped by the IBM mainframe mentality, and he wasn't too young to appreciate the the potential for personal computers. And and <coughs> I was thinking about that in terms of blogging as well. How lucky mm-hmm. we are. And and we'll see how lucky we are down the road as to where all this blogging is going. But uh-huh. if you want to talk about you and I as becoming what we are now, and that you know, I'm not puffing myself up and saying that's the greatest thing since sliced bread or anything. But if you want to talk about two people who have written 2,500 plus posts of feral, fairly quality work, we've got it. We build up an audience. There, it is not an accident. That you and I were born uh, in the early '60s and came of age right at Y2K. Yep. yep. And we're pushed right into, you know, you're going to learn software and you're going to learn internet. Oh yeah. And so all of a sudden we know internet, and plus our parents and were our, our parents were both educators and educators. Artists. Yeah. You know, you came from educators and I came from educators. We came from change. Absolutely. Change the world educators. There was no accident in that. And then so here we are. There are dozens of us who are in exactly this age group, exactly this time, exactly this skill set who come uh-huh. upon the Bush administration. And in 2004, the swift boating of John Kerry 
propels yeah. us, that whole campaign and the absolute lying that was going on mm-hmm. uh, propels us to want to express ourselves when the media will not cooperate. I would add one fill up yeah. to that, which is it compels us to go seek a community that we didn't currently have, perhaps. A community and a form of self-expression yes. that uh, can reach other people. Yes, that can, that's because I was I was perfectly aware of the Internet. I was perfectly aware of, of all of the wonders and glories and the pornographic aspects yeah. of it and all the good stuff. But the idea of message boards and those things. But after that, in 2004, really, that is the, the ground zero. It was it was a, a coworker of mine who said, "There's this thing called Talking Points Memo. You should go check this out." And suddenly, I found dozens or hundreds of people who were like Visibly me, fully outraged, yeah, yeah, and had no other place to go. Yeah, who were being told by the media that they didn't exist, or their opinions were irrelevant, or that they should shut up and go along with the program. There was no other place. There was no place else. You know, we, we were backed into this little corner called blogging, yeah. and we and we found each other there. And some people had been there a long time. Some people had just – I was a new arrival from Talking Points Memo. I discovered the news blog where I made a happy home for many months, and then Steve Gilliard kicked me out on my own. And that's yeah. the story of lots of bloggers, <laughs> yeah. lots of bloggers. Yeah. But, you know, but we arrived with a certain sensibility, a certain fearlessness about technology, and a certain ability to express ourselves that converged at a certain point in time. And and I guess the big question mark is what do we do with it now? You know, where does that go? And on that note, Blue Gal, <laughs> shall we ask the Internet Kitty to play us out? Absolutely. That's that's extremely mysterious and unusual. So shall I invite the Internet Kitty Which to play Internet us out? Which Internet Kitty's going to play us out tonight? Let's get the, the ninety-six. One. No, let's get the older ninety-six hundred baud one. Oh, this- <laughs> Yeah, it takes an hour to connect and and staggers across the room and it's like watching paint dry and you can say, oh, I can almost see her tits. Yeah, I swear one day they're going to use this stuff for porn and that'll be awesome. That'll be so awesome. Yes, yes. Play us out. TCPIP. <laughs> podcast is produced under a Creative Commons license, copyright 2010, Driftglass Blue Gal Podcast.